Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. How's everybody doing tonight? Welcome to High Desert Word Center Wednesday night. Praise the Lord. Would you stand up with me, please? We're going to say our confession for America. Amen. Because we love this nation, right? Amen. And the devil's not having it, right? Right. Amen. Okay, you ready? I don't know. if Is that up there? I, can, I don't have Sometimes I... Okay, there we go. Okay. Father, we come to you in Jesus' name and in unity. We confess that Jesus Christ is Lord over the United States of America. We declare that righteousness, mercy, justice, and judgment from you shall prevail. We declare that America will complete her God-given mission to bring the gospel of Jesus Christ to the world. We push back the darkness of Satan from this nation and call for the light of Jesus Christ to invade the media and every home, church, and school and every town, city, and state of this great nation, the United States of America. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Hallelujah. Well, you may be seated. I got a couple of announcements for you. Um, I have several announcements, actually. Pastors David and Katie and all the kids are in New York with uh, our son Joe and Portia. Today's Portia's birthday, so all the, they're all out there. And then uh, uh, Pastors Dave and Katie are going to drive to Pennsylvania to a uh, Gerald Brooks conference. Well, Joe and Portia watch the kids, so they're having a good time out there. But on a, on a sadder note, uh, Patrick Garul from our church passed away on Sunday morning um, unexpectedly. And uh, he and his wife, Dahlia, uh, is from the, Dahlia's from the Philippines, and they've only been married like six months, something like that. So we, we don't have any information on when the services are going to be or anything like that. But uh, anyway, keep her in your prayers, and hopefully Maxine's, hopefully Maxine's will be able to pick her up for church this Sunday morning because she doesn't drive, and then uh, you can all love on her. She's a really sweet lady. Amen. All right. Hey, I've got a... Sign up sheet for the women's meeting. So I'm going to pass this around. I'm going to start with you, Susan, and just pass it around. And, oh, there we go. Thank you. Hi, Judah. <laughs> Whoops. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Chuck. Losing my everything. Okay, so the women's meeting is going to be the second Friday night of the month, September the 9th. It's our kickoff for the fall, and our theme is Celebrating You. So I need you to sign up because I'm going to get a gift for all the women and the girls and stuff that come, but I need you to sign up so I have a head count. So if you'd do that for me, I'd appreciate it. And also want to let you know that Ron and Annette Thiesing are going to be here Sunday, September the 4th for the morning and the evening service. There are missionaries to uh, Honduras. They have a, an uh, orphanage there. And they saved Pastor's life when he was in Peru, but they were they were in Peru for like thirty some odd years. It's very interesting about Ron. He's a third generation. Get that his family third generations, Wycliffe Bible translators, and he didn't see his sister for I don't know twenty some odd years because she was in some remote island out in the Philippines somewhere translating the Bible. Isn't that cool? I mean, it's just it's just amazing to me. Anyway, that's cool stuff. Good stuff. Okay, Nick, come up here. You have an announcement. Okay, so 
Um, I have been honored and blessed to be part of Young Adults, asked to be part of Young Adults. And uh, what we're doing October 8th is a Brandon Lake concert. We'd like to uh, start getting the young adults together, hanging out more, doing more things uh, that would attract them, I guess, more so what they would like to do. So um, we got a concert for Brandon Lake October 8th. It'll be at 6.30 at the Sandy uh, at the Rock Church in San Diego. It's uh, $25 per ticket. There'll be carpools to get down there. We're uh, asking for those that who are going to join in carpools to please pitch in for gas or to help people out driving. Um, we will be meeting here at 12.15, and the reason we're meeting here is to beat traffic just in case there's traffic or if we have any delays for stops. At least we're getting there on time and early enough. We're trying to go all down together at the same time, so we're all sitting together. Um, for those of people who are uh, new that don't want, to, or that I'm sorry, let me rephrase that. For those people who are new that don't know anybody, or like I don't, I'm not too much friends with anybody here. We do have a young adults meeting September 2nd and September 16th, so that way you can get to know us or get to know a lot of the young adults. So that way, in the concert, you're you're not shy, you're not a uh, timid to go. You have friends already. You can meet us and hang out and be ready to go. Perfect. That's all I got. Perfect. Perfect, perfect, perfect. Hallelujah. All right. Well, guess what time it is, ladies and gentlemen? It's happy time. So if you need an envelope for your giving, raise your hand, and one of the ushers will be more than happy to to give you an offering envelope. Um, Proverbs uh, 10, verse 22, and I'm in the New King James. Proverbs 10:22 says, The blessing of the Lord makes one rich. And he adds no sorrow with it. You know, and I think about, I think about the blessings of the Lord. The blessings of the Lord means you're blessed with things, stuff, you know, you're blessed with your family, you're blessed with health, good health, you're blessed with peace of mind and all that kind of stuff. But you're not in debt to get it. You know what I mean? So, yeah, you don't need to go in debt for the Lord to bless you with wonderful things. Amen. Sometimes you need to sow a seed. So while I'm talking about sowing a seed, if anybody is interested in sowing a seed towards SMTI, our Bible College Scholarship Fund, then do that. Mark your envelope plainly. We've got some people that um, really want to go, um, and they're signing up to go by faith, but they need some help going. You know, some people just pay for the whole thing. It's a piece of cake. But some people, it's a little struggle. So if you would like to sow into that on your offering envelope, write SMTI Scholarship, and we'll make sure that... We pray about who it goes to. Amen. All right. Well, let's say our financial faith confession. All right. You ready for this? (laughs) All right. As we bring the Lord's tithe and give offerings today, we believe we receive jobs or better jobs, promotions, raises and bonuses, benefits, sales and commissions, growth in business, settlements, estates and inheritances, interest and income, rebates and returns, checks in the mail, Gifts and surprises, finding money, bills paid off, debts paid off, royalties received, blessings and increase. Thank you, Lord, for meeting all my financial needs so I have more than enough to take good care of my family, to give generously in the kingdom of God, and promote the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Would you like so we can worship the Lord together? Give him all praise and glory. You come.
Father, I want to thank you that your word says in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 6, that we're seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Spiritually, we know we're where you are right now because in the spirit we're seated with you as joint heirs. The Lord, it's our flesh that cries out. It's our flesh that cries out for feelings, for goosebumps, and for things that make us feel like we're close to you. But Lord, we can't be any closer than the Holy Spirit living in us. And that still small voice that talks to us. And so as we praise you, as we give you glory, we just want to thank you for what's on the inside showing up on the outside, Lord. Hallelujah. That's where the shouting comes from. Thank you in the name of Jesus, Lord, that we're going to receive revelation knowledge tonight and recognize that we're as close to you on the inside as we're ever going to be, but we've got to make the outside join in with the shouting. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen, amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Well, I'll tell you what, if you're depressed, I'm glad you're here tonight. If you're depressed, I'm glad you're watching tonight. Because this, this is going to be for everybody that deals with depression that the devil tries to put depression on you. And it's called, tonight's called the Bible way to overcome depression. I'm not talking about pills. I'm not talking about counseling. I'm not talking about therapy. I guess there's a place for those things for some people, some whatever. But I'm talking about the Bible way. You know, I think, I think there ought to be a difference between born again Christians and people that don't know God. I want to say that again. There ought to be a difference between born-again Christians and people who don't know God and how they get their health. And as we were as we were praising the Lord right then, I was thinking about something. Now listen to this. There's two times the devil's going to try to put depression on you. Number one, if things are going bad. And then I think especially when things are going great is when it hits. Has anybody here ever... Then things going perfect, man, the best it's ever went for you in your Christian life. Everything's working. You get up and you think, man, I don't know what's wrong. I just, I just, I just, I just feel lost. I feel, I feel stupid. I stay, I, what, what's wrong, God? What's, what's going on with me, Lord? What, what, what's going on? You know, it might be that the devil knows the Bible better than you. Nehemiah 8.10 says the joy of the Lord is your strength. And so here you are, everything's finally working, man, your husband's finally in church, or your, 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 wife, your wife's finally acting like a wife, or your kids are lined up and they're saying, come on, dad, come on, mom, let's go to church, let's go to church, let's not stay home. And, and you, get the, you get that last payment made on that super bad bill you had for so long, and things are taken care of, and then all of a sudden you get up and you, you got these thoughts, what's the use? What's the use? I, I, I just don't know what's going on. Well, it might be the devil knows how to push your button. Amen. I'll I tell you what, in my life, this is a bunny trail, wasn't planning on this, but we'll just let it go for a minute anyway. I know in my life, 
Believe it or not, in my life, the easiest time to praise the Lord is when things aren't going good. See, I'm so well, I'm so well trained in my spirit and in my soul. I know that if I've got lots of stuff hitting me and coming down on me, I know there's nothing I can do except start praising Jesus. And so, man, I'll tell you what, I just get into a praise, praising mode. I praise and I, I worship and I shout and I sing, quote Bible verses, and I come out of it. But then when things are going good, it's just all of a sudden like, man, just, <laughs> you know, you don't have sometimes have the initiative to want to do it because things are good. And it just, it's almost like Christians only know how to praise where they're going through a hard time. Amen. Amen. I want to, I want to show you a book though. Before we get into this, I'll show you a book called The Triumph of the Church. We got it up there, yeah. The Triumph of the Church. And this, 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 this is not one of those little, most of the time I like to advertise the simple little books. This is a book you study for a year, just little by little till you get it. But it's Brother Hagen teaching all the different things that Jesus has done for you. So you've absolutely got the victory. You know, if Christians really realized they say, Satan, I bind you in Jesus' name. He has to shut up. If they really realize Luke ten nineteen is for real, that you've got authority over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall by means hurt you, then they start li- living different. If you really real, realize that the spiritual armor in Ephesians chapter 6 really works, you can get inside of God's armor and be totally protected. But anyway, Brother Hagen really teaches really, really... At length in this book, lots of Bible verses, lots of things really help you. But I highly recommend that book there if you're somebody that uh, the devil comes up to your house all the time and goes, I'm going to huff and puff and blow your house down. And you're going to go, woo, what am I going to do? Amen. So you need, you, need, you need to read books like that. But the Bible way to overcome depression, I want to start off in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 5. 2 Timothy 1, verse 5. And uh, this is still summer in the Psalms, by the way. Believe it or not, early this morning, when I was putting this together, uh, where we're going to end up at is summer in the Psalms. But this summer in the Psalms, <laughs> this came right out of that because the Psalms will bring you out of depression. If you know how to, if you know how to use them. And so 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 5, and uh, in, ju- in just a second... I'm going to look at that, but I'm going to flip over to Ephesians 2 or just really quickly in a minute. But just be ready to make a switch and then come back to 2 Timothy. Because you, see, you, need the, you need to see the connection. As a Bible teacher, my textbook is the Bible. And I'd like you to look at the words with me to get the faith in your heart. So 2 Timothy 1, verse 5. 2 Timothy 1, 5. He said, Paul said to Timothy by the Holy Spirit... What I call to remember, so look at this, the unfeigned faith that is in you, or my center column says, he said, the genuine faith that is in you. He said, the genuine faith that is in you. He said, I remember, you've got genuine faith in you. Barbara, you got genuine faith in you. you got real faith. And, you know, I, I'm going to say, Walter, I'm going to try to find a man, man, a lot of women here tonight. Walter, you got genuine faith in you. Amen. He says, according to the genuine faith. And so I want to say this. We're talking about tonight the Bible way to overcome confession. Number one, if you are a born-again Christian, you've got genuine faith in your spirit. 
Do you remember the Bible says in multiple places of the New Testament, if you believe in your heart and say with your mouth, you believe in your heart, speak to the mountain from your heart and doubt not? Amen. So there's lots of verses I give you about your heart, but you've got to know that you've got everything it takes to overcome depression. And think about this. There's no doubt where depression comes from. Uh, John 10, 10, every, probably about everybody here can quote that. The thief cometh not before to steal, kill, and destroy. What is depression? It's stealing, killing, destroying. It'll, it, you know, if, if people let depression take them to the extreme, they can go into eternity early, early over it. That's stealing, killing, destroying. Jesus said, my come for you to have and enjoy life. That what the Bible says, John 10, 10, said, come for you to have and enjoy life. Have and enjoy life. Who said that? Jesus did. Who's he want to do that? His people. And so depression is from the devil. Faith is from God. He said, as a born-again believer, you've got genuine faith. Your faith is greater than any depression thing the devil could throw your way. And so he said, you've got this genuine faith. Now hold your place and look at Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8. And this, this, you know, if, if you went to a, a Baptist church especially, or if you went to church as a child, you probably heard this verse quoted a lot. And maybe we should teach this more in our, in our kind of churches. But Ephesians 2.8 says, For by grace are you saved through faith. You're saved through faith. And what is it? It's the gift of God. And so he says, you have faith in you. God gave you as a free gift before you do anything about him, before you do anything about the Bible, God gave you faith to be saved. And then after you get saved, then you get to the Bible faith, where's Romans ten seventeen, faith cometh by hearing, you've got to grow in faith, then by study the Bible. But God gives you the first part to get you started. In Romans chapter twelve, he says he gives to every one of us the measure of faith in Romans twelve three. He gives us faith to get started. But I want you to see those words right there. This is this is very important for you to see how to live free from depression. He says you're saved through faith. And what's he say it is? It's a gift. It's a gift from God. Can you see that? Faith is a gift from God. And who's got it? Born again Christians have that faith. It's genuine faith. Now go back to 2 Timothy chapter 1. At verse 5, he says, we got, we got the genuine faith. Now look at this, verse 6. I want you to see this. He said, wherefore, I put the remembrance, thou stir up the gift of God. Stir up the gift of God which is in thee by putting it on in my hands. He said, you've got that faith in you. It's a gift from God. He said, you've got to stir it up. And why is that? Verse 7, for God has not given us the spirit of fear. What's he given us? He's given us faith, not fear. Fear hits from the outside. Faith works from the inside. you got to know that. You've got to get what's on the inside to overcome what's on the outside. And so it says that we're supposed to stir up that gift. we got to stir up our faith. That's what we're going to be talking about tonight in Overcoming Defession. It says he hasn't given us the spirit of fear, but a part of love and of a sound mind. So the faith you have is a gift from God. Your God-given faith is just the opposite of the spirit of fear. Faith comes from the Father. Fear comes from the Father of lies. What have you got to be afraid about or get depressed about if you let your faith 
overcome the fear. Faith, one definition of faith is faith have a confidence that God will do what he said he's going to do. That definition of fear would be fear is having more confidence that Satan's going to do what he said he's going to do. And so you need, you need to stir up that faith. And you know, as I'm, as I'm looking at this, I'm thinking about Moses at his rod. Remember he stood in front of Pharaoh and he, he had his rod like that that turned into a snake. And then Pharaoh and the magicians come down and said, we can do that. They threw theirs down, made a bunch of snakes, but God's snake ate up all the snakes of the devil. Your faith, your faith will eat up all the fear that comes your way if you stir it up. If you stir it up. I gotta say that again, if you stir it up. And, and as I'm thinking about that stir it up, I, I, I think about, uh, well, Mrs. Pastor, she's, she's at a place where we don't have a lot of people in our house, so she likes to use the crock pot all the time. Keeps that thing burning on the stove all the time. Got that crock pot going. As you got lots of goodies in there. If that's set for a few hours though, though it, and I don't stir it up, all the good stuff stays on the bottom. I have to work that thing up and get that to come up to the top so I can get the goodies out of it. And if you don't stir up that faith in you, it's there. But if you don't stir it up, then all the bad stuff's gonna be on the top and you're gonna think, man, this, this, this something just not right. Something don't taste right here. Something, something just, something doesn't feel good. Well, that's because you let the ugly stuff on top overcome what's in you. Amen. He said, stir up the gift of faith. And, and so, uh, I want to say this. Paul knew how, or he wouldn't have told Timothy to do it. You know, the things that I teach, I walk in. I can't tell you to do something that I don't know how to do that I haven't proven in my life works. Uh, I'll tell you what, some of the most challenged people in the world are preachers. Reason being, when we're up here to teach the Word of God, who do you think takes the first hits? <laughs> you think the devil wants preachers like me, Pastor Dave, Mrs. Pastor, wants us up here telling people they're being challenged how to come out of it? He doesn't. So we have to pass the test first. We pass the test just to get here to help you. And you know what that does? Then? That adds anointing to what we're preaching because we've been proven. And so I want to say this again. Paul already passed this test many times. When you read his life in the epistles, in the book of Acts, Paul went through so many things. You know, it's just like sometimes people say, well, who's he think he is to tell people to stir up faith? He's a preacher. He's got it made. Well, how many times have you been stoned to death? How many times have you put in, been put in prison just for telling somebody, Jesus loves you. Can I pray for you? What? We're going to give you the whips, 39 stripes, and throw you in prison. How many times have you had people? I've talked about things Paul went through. Have you had people that you led to Jesus that become part of your ministry team that turned on you, lied on you, had you put in prison? Paul went through a lot of things. That's why Paul could tell Timothy, I want to tell you what, boy, I've been there. Said, you've got genuine faith, but you got to stir it up. God didn't give you the spirit of fear. Don't you be afraid about dying or getting stoned or being whipped, being beat for the gospel's sake. I've been there, and I'm going to tell you what, Jesus was with me every time, and I came through it, and I'm still standing here, and I won't go till I'm ready. And then you get down, when you read a little further in Timothy, you're going to see that he says that, well, the time of my departure has come, 
He said, I'm ready to go now. He said, I've done all God wants me to do. And then he said, now I'm ready to go. And that's the same thing Jesus said. Jesus said, don't they know what I can do? I can stop any time I want to. I'm going to the cross willingly because I want to. They don't have me. I've got them in my heart and I want them saved. And so I'm going to go when I'm ready. And we as Christians have to realize Satan does not control our life unless we want him to. Somebody said, well, I don't want him to. He just does. Well, have you ever heard that saying? All it takes for evil to triumph is for good men to do nothing. That could come down to a personal basis for you as a believer. All it takes for Satan to triumph is for you to roll over and play dead. Doing better preaching than you are shouting. Amen. And so go to 1 Samuel chapter 30. 1 Samuel chapter 30. Matter of fact, David, my son, Pastor Dave, hit on this a few weeks ago. But you need to see this. And as we're going here, I just want to tell you something I was thinking about today when I was putting this together. You know, uh, Paul, Paul didn't, have, didn't have the New Testament because he was writing it. And his co-workers, they were writing it. The, the apostles were writing the New Testament. So all he had to read was the Old Testament. And so his faith that came by hearing came by him reading the Old Testament. And hearing what the priests and the people that taught him did. You know, Paul, Paul was, a, was, a, was, a, was a scholar. He was a Pharisee. He was, he was a teacher of the law. He really, really knew the Old Testament. And so I'm very sure, as much as uh, King David is used in the Old Testament, that Paul had seen David's life, what David did. And then Paul knew that if David could do it, I could do it. He had to get his faith somewhere. And so through the Holy Spirit speaking to him as read the Old Testament, he found out, wow, sometimes you've got to stir up this gift. Sometimes you've got to do something to make this thing work and take over. And you can either be an overcomer or you can be overcome. You can either be a victim or you can be a victor. And you know the thing is, Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 19, God said, I set before you life and death, blessing and cursing, depression and joy. Therefore choose, therefore choose, choose life that both you and your children can live. And I, I want to say something, you know, I'm thinking about as a pastor for a lot of years, I've seen a pattern in lives. I've seen families that were the dad and mom's were goofy and had mental problems, drinking problems, drug problems. So many times the kids followed that route because dad and mom did it. And then it's, it's whatever else in life the dad and mom's bad habits were, they followed those habits. Well, when I got born again, I really got born again. 28 and a half years old, I got born again. And most of you have all heard my history. My family was alcoholics, punks, thugs, bad people. And I remember what I did. When I found out Jesus was real, I probably wasn't but a week or two old. I looked up to heaven, and I had President Truman was the president when I, when, I, when I was born back in 1951. And I always heard him talk about President Truman's desk. He said he had a sign on there, the buck stops here. And so lots of politicians, especially now you'll notice, they don't have a whole lot of good stuff to tell you they're going to do. All they want to do is tell you how everything's the last guy's fault. It's their fault, their fault, their fault. Well, that still went on back in the 40s, 50s, etc. So President Truman put that on his desk. I'm not going to pass the buck that bit. I'm not going to blame them. I'm in here now. I will control what the White House does now. The buck stops here. If a problem comes, 
I'll take responsibility. Instead of passing it to somebody else, I'll deal with it. And so when I got born again, I looked up to heaven and I said, Jesus, the curse on the Samples family is broken. I said, the buck stops here. And so uh, out of eight kids, everybody here knows a lot of my kids. Do I have alcoholics? Do I have gangsters, thugs, punks that hurt people? i got kids that serve God. And you know why? Because there's a man that made a choice when he found out that Jesus was real, that if Jesus is real, I don't have to go down the road that I saw my family go down. I'm changing this road. I'm changing these things. I'm not going to be a drunk. I'm not going to be a loser. And you know what? I thought I had Satan for an enemy when I was a sinner. Wow. Man, when I turned on him, he really became an enemy. He liked me as long as I palled around with him. I quit being his best friend. He turned on me. And I cannot tell you the stories. I don't have Paul's stories. And a lot of stories of persecution for the last whole bunch of years. I can't even tell you about. There's so many. But the bottom line is, I chose I'm going to be the victor, not the victim. I've got to allow the joy of the Lord to be my strength. Depression will never rule me. Amen. And so... 1 Samuel chapter 30, verses 1 through 5. Now, uh, Pastor Dave looked at this somewhat a few weeks ago when he's doing this Psalms teaching. But look at this. And talk about a man having a bad day. And how do we know that David was a good guy? Amen. Saul, Saul was the bad guy. David was the good guy. But it says, And it came to pass, when David and his men were come to Zig, Ziglag on the third day, that the Amalekites had invaded the south at Ziglag, and smitten Ziglag and burned it with fire. The place where David and his men were living at with their families got burned. You know, in America, we've seen some cities burn the last few years. What a terrible thing to see your neighborhood burning, to see your house burning. But then on top of that, these Amalekites had taken the women. They took the women captive that were therein. They slew not any, they just took them either great or small, but carried them away and went on their way. So David and his men came to the city. They'd been out doing their patrols, doing their army things. And behold, it was burned with fire, and their wives and their sons and their daughters were taken captive. How many love your kids? How many serve Jesus? How would you feel if you came back to your place and your kids were carried off? And your wife was carried off, or your husband, whatever the case may be. And the dogs were taken captive. And then David, verse 4, and the people that were with him lifted up their voice and wept until they had no more power to weep. Have you ever been so grieved and hurt in life you cried till you hurt you couldn't cry anymore? Well, think about these guys. They all came there, and they were in the Lord's army. And they were out following a mighty man of God named David. And they came back, and not only not only did their kids, wives, and everything else get carried away in slavery, but even the leaders did, David's. And so it says they wept till they had no power to whip, and then David's two wives were taken captives, uh, whatever her name is and her name, Abigail, wife of Nabal, the Carmelite, and then David was greatly distressed. Depression hit him quick. For the people spake of stoning him. Here he is. He's the great leader. 
And not only is he going through the same thing they are, but now they said, it's your fault, we're going to kill you. Man, I tell you what, that's an opportunity to say, I quit, where's God, what are you doing? What's the use? How horrible. Etc. I mean, whatever you think about it. It says, because the people spake his story, and all the people were grieved, every man for his sons and for his daughters. Greatly distressed. And so, who could David go to for encouragement? He's the leader. He's the head guy. All the followers didn't want to do anything except kill him. They didn't think about the enemy. They could go fight, but said, let's just kill the leader. We'll take him out. But then notice this. But David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. Praise God he didn't have any Facebook or something to go to for prayers. I wonder if anything's ever happened good out of Facebook prayers. Oh, well, that's another thing. But anyway, I just, I just think about this. And I'm looking at this right here. And I'm talking about you. I'm talking about you out there that's watching about depression. The best one you can go to is Jesus. But he said he cursed himself in the Lord, his God. That means him and Jesus got together. He didn't have to call the prayer line. He didn't need 2,000 likes or see if you could share this with everybody in the whole world, etc., etc. It says it was hopeless, and so he knew what to do. He encouraged himself in the Lord his God. He got together with the Holy Ghost to have a Holy Ghost powwow. And that's the same thing Paul told Timothy. He said, Timothy, you don't need to have fear. You've got genuine faith. Now you stir up your faith. And then I just heard that little whiny voice out there somewhere. Not one if I don't feel like it. That's why I'm preaching this tonight. Because <laughs> the devil wants you to not feel like it. He wants you to put your head under the cover. He wants you to go on Facebook. He wants you to email and text a bunch of people and say, guys, I'm losing and the best way to lose bigger is to get a pity party going. And they will all just wind together about me. And then when you see me, make sure you say, sit and hugs and prayers, hon. And then make sure when you see me, you just tap me on the shoulder and say, you poor thing. Oh, you poor thing. You poor thing. I'll tell you what, when stuff tries to hit me, I don't talk to anybody except Jesus Amen. and my Bible. And I come out of it. Amen. And so who could he go to? And so uh, I want to say this. Paul and David, talk about Apostle Paul, King David, were seasoned vets of spiritual warfare and only overcoming depression the Bible way. I would consider myself a seasoned vet. I've been down some roads. A lot of you are vets. We've been down this road before. Like that old says, ain't my first rodeo. Well, it's not your first battle. You've got to always do what the Bible says to do if you want to get what the Bible says you can have. I want to say it again about Nehemiah 8.10. The joy of the Lord is your strength. Galatians 5.22.23. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, and then comes peace. And then right in there is long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faithfulness, meekness, temper, self-control. Against such there's no law. 
But, you know, I don't think God does anything in the Bible just to come out that way. I think when he says the first fruit of a Christian is love, and then the next one he says is joy. I think one of the one of the saddest memories I remember before I was a Christian when people witnessed to me, I remember at least a couple different times. I saw some of the most sarpus looking religious people I ever knew look like they'd trip over their bottom lip every step they took because they looked so depressed. You need to go to my church. You need to get saved. And all I could ever think is, man, if I'm going to act like you, just show me where your church is so I can run that way. I don't want to get around a bunch of sarpus religious people that have no joy. It looks like they just, I mean, just, oh, they look constipated. They look miserable. I don't want to be that way. God said the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, and peace. And, you know, let me, let me tell you something I learned a long time ago. I've got to get to the Psalms, don't I? That's something I learned a long time ago. Uh, Peter, in, in the epistles, uh, Peter said that our salvation is expressed with joy unspeakable. That full of glory. Well, what is joy unspeakable? If you, well, I, I, I'll just tell you, do, do you, I'll give you, I'll give you, I'll give you an example. You remember the book of Acts? It said that on the day of Pentecost, where they're all filled with the Spirit, they act like drunken men. Now, I don't know about you, I did not hang around the sad drunks. I hung around the happy drunks. We laughed at anything. We said stupid, corny things. Thought everything was funny. All we did is laughed. And so I think about it, if you're going to be drunk with the Spirit to where those people will say that these guys are drunk. He said they're not drunk like you think. They're this different kind of drunk. They're drunk with the Spirit. I think that Christians ought to be able to have that joy unspeakable too where we laugh. I've been around, I've been around Christians where the Spirit of God was moving and we just all laugh at anything. Everything was funny. Everything was funny. The joy of the Lord's your strength. And so I learned years ago from spiritual veterans, and I've actually done this, that when things look really, really bad, I would make myself start laughing. I would start laughing, I would start laughing, I would start laughing. And then you know what would happen after a while? Then it would get out of control where I couldn't control it. And I'd just really have a laughing fit. Well, you know what happens when that happens? The joy of the Lord's your strength? That genuine faith in me has been stirred. It starts rising, and then what difference does it make if the whole world's going to crash down tomorrow? <laughs> Who cares? What does a drunk care about when stupid stuff's going on? And um, hey, don't you know your wife just left? <laughs> hey, don't don't you know they just took your car? <laughs> I don't need that old thing anyway. Christians need to get to the place where they can laugh. Amen. Am I, am I doing better preaching than, than you are shouting or laughing? Amen. I've talked about this spiritual warfare. And so anyway, they were vets. And so that, that, that's not the direction I'm going for what I want to preach because some are in the Psalms here where I'm going to end up at. But I'll tell you one thing. That's one of the greatest spiritual weapons you have is laughter. To laugh, laugh, laugh. Because laughter is just the opposite of depression. And you begin laughing by faith. Amen. If you can be depressed by fear, why can't you have joy by faith? And if joy is a fruit of the Spirit just as much as faith is, amen, and love, then how, how do you stir up the love in you? 
You start telling Jesus how much you love him. You start telling people you love them, even if your flesh doesn't want to love them. You look at people in the eye, and you're not being a phony or hypocrite because you're stirred up that in you. You're saying, you know what, I love you. I love you so much. I'm so glad you're part of my family. I'm so glad we work at the same job. I love you. I'm, I'm so grateful you're my neighbor. And you start doing that, you know what begins to happen? You start believing it. And you start believing it, you're not depressed anymore. And then it actually starts rubbing off on the people you're talking to. That, that's how this works. But anyway, for our summer of the Psalms, I want you to turn to Psalms 103. We're going to look at the first five verses. And what this is, is him giving you an example, David giving an example of what he did when he encouraged himself in the Lord. You know, that's what I love about the Bible. The Bible doesn't just tell you to do things, it tells you how to do things. I want to say that again. The Bible doesn't just tell you what to do, it tells you how to do it. And this, 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 is, this is somewhat of what Paul was talking about to Timothy and what David did when everything, everything in the whole world was shattered. Here's what David did. Psalms 103, verse 1 through 5. I want to look at these first two verses. He said, bless the Lord. And then who was he talking to? My soul. Your soul is your mind, will, and emotions. And so he says, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. And then he said it again. He said, bless the Lord, O my soul. Bless the Lord, O my soul. And forget not all his benefits. And so David, now listen to what I'm saying. They wasn't born again in the Old Testament, but we are now. And so David, from his spirit man, was blessing the Lord and praising the Lord. On the outside, my emotions don't feel like it. Man, they took my wives. He had two of them. Took my wives, took my kids, burned my city. All these great warriors I've raised up, they took their families, burned their houses, and now they want to kill me. So what else have I got to do? So, we're going to bless the Lord whether you like it or not. And soul says, I don't feel like blessing the Lord because look what just happened. I want to cry. I want to die. I want to kill myself. I want to kill everybody. I hate everybody. I hate the whole world. I lost my family. I lost my house. I lost my army. I hate the world. He said, so we're not going to win that way. He said, so we're going to bless the Lord whether you like it or not. I'm spirit man and I happen to control you. Emotions. You're not going to snuff my life out. I'm overcoming you emotions right now. Depression? You're not going to steal my joy. Joy of the Lord is my strength. And I'm going to start speaking it out. And so he was telling his soul what to do, not allowing his soul to tell him what to do. Well, Pastor, I just don't feel like praising the Lord. Well, darling, I don't feel like preaching either. But I started praising the Lord before I got here. Matter of fact, I didn't feel like praising the Lord all day long. So what I do all day long, I praise the Lord. And I got tired of praising the Lord in my house. So what I do, I walked outside and praised the Lord. And then I got tired of walking around praising the Lord. So what I do, I got in my car. And I drove around praising the Lord. And then what did I do? 
I read the Bible some more, and I praised the Lord. And you know what happened? My soul shut up like it was supposed to. And I said, so, we got some things God's people need to hear tonight, and I will not let you put out. Amen. Man, you just got to read my journal, didn't you? No, I'm telling you, this, this, this is the life. You might as well get used to it. If we didn't have a spiritual enemy, we wouldn't have any testimonies. Because our testimonies come when we pass the test. If you don't pass the test, all you got is the monies. Amen. Isn't that right? Amen. I'll tell you what. <laughs> okay, talking to you. <laughs> No, listen to what I'm saying. You'll never have a testimony unless you pass a test. And so we don't want the test. But if you're going to have to take the test, you might as well pass it. You know, I did something this year that was kind of a challenge. I haven't driven a truck for really almost probably 30 years. It's been a long time. I've kept my CDLs all these years. And so this year, I had to take that whole test again. And the first test I had to pass, I'm not a computer person, I'm an iPhone person. I went in there to take that CDL test after getting all studied up, and they turned me to a keyboard. And my wife, my daughters, nobody was there to do it for me. And so I sat there, and I looked at that, and that was like a big monster looking at me. I didn't know how to make it go backwards. I didn't know how to make it delete. And so my first day in there, I spent about a half hour getting some screen that I thought was the right stuff, did a lot of stuff that I found I was on the wrong screen. All the stuff I did didn't count. But I was determined to pass the test. And so got that stuff done, and then the stuff that I did, I studied the wrong stuff. So I took two tests and flunked them. And so they told me I'd come back the next day, so I spent a whole lot more time studying and I come back in, I had to sit there and look at the computer again for a long time. I remembered this worked yesterday. And so then I went through stuff and I'd do all kinds of things. And then I'd make a mistake, couldn't back it up and have to race the whole page again. And then after about the third test that day, I ended up taking eight tests. After about the third test, all of a sudden I saw a button I could push and they had to race the whole page. And so I got all those things done because I was going to pass the test. Got all those things done. I went there and I aced them. And the lady said, you take all these today? I said, yeah. And I got them. So what am I saying? I'm saying there's lots of tests in life that don't really matter about life and death things. That if we can do natural things to pass tests, we can do spiritual things to pass tests. Hey, man, I passed that test. I got my nice new shiny CDL to look at again and never drive a truck again. <laughs> you know, some things you just do because you want to. But so what I'm saying, I'm talking about what we're talking about right here in passing these tests. Whether you like it or not, Satan is not going to stop trying to harass you. If he stops harassing you, one of two things. Either you're dead or you're backslid. Why would he have to harass somebody he's already got? Man, oh man, I'll tell you what, we better keep on preaching now. Okay.
And so it says, forget not all his benefits. And now, uh, as we look at this, look at verse 3 and verse 4. And he's talking to his soul, and then he's telling his soul. He says, don't forget, soul, because your emotions is what's hit. Your mind's what's hit. Your mind, your will, your emotions. He said, don't forget all his benefits. It says, he forgives all your iniquities, your sins, and he heals all your diseases. And, you know, let me just throw you a little explanation of that there so you'll get this here too. I thought I was going to teach on healing, but this is not the direction he went. Sin and sickness had the same spiritual father, Satan. As you read the Bible, when you look at, read 1 Corinthians chapter 11, his body broken for your healing, stripes on his back, and the blood shed for your sins. And then a passage I wanted to use today that I didn't, and you probably read it, Matthew chapter 9, they brought a man to him paralyzed, and Jesus didn't say you're healed. He said your sins are forgiven. And then the Pharisees got all mad said, who do you think he is can forgive sins? He said, what's it easier to do? Say your sins are forgiven or to say rise up and walk? Because it's the same one. Satan is the father of sickness, the father of sin. As they said, just to show you the son of man has authority on earth, forgive sins. He looked over at the guy and he said, rise up and walk. And so he says right here, that he forgives all your sins, heals all your diseases. And talk about benefits. And I'll, I'll tell you why I think that's so important to know that. A lot of things in our lives are self-inflicted. But praise God for the benefit he forgives. And he heals. Somebody said, well, I think I might be sick because of what I did. Well, that could very well be, maybe you did something. I don't know. But if you did, he forgives and he heals. That's a benefit. And you know, if you're going through things where you're hit, you need to stop. Encourage yourself in the Lord. Start reading Psalms 103 and say, we're going to bless the Lord because we're forgiven and we're healed. Amen, amen. Somebody shout or something, man. Give give the Lord one for that. And then he says, I, I like this. And then he says, he redeems thy life from destruction. I don't know about you. I was, I wasn't, I was never a druggie. But I sure like beer. And that's on the distracted path of my life. I had the people I hung around with sometimes were not the best people in the world. And so praise God, he delivered my life from those destructive friendships. From the alcohol parties and those things like that. And that's what you need to do when you're stirring yourself, encouraging yourself. Say, Lord, I want to thank you. And Mrs. Pastor and I was watching something on TV the other day. There was some kind of a new show, whatever it was, much of these people talk about all the life they had right now, nightclub people and things and all the glitter and all the friends they had. I said, man, how could, can you imagine that somebody would think that's a life? And I thought, wow, I used to think that was a life too, be around all that kind of stuff. These phony people, my life is delivered. How about yours? Delivered from destruction. Who crowns thee? Crowns thee? Do you know you're a king and a priest? Amen. Said so we're kings and priests. Who crowns thee with what? Loving kindness and tender mercies. Loving kindness and tender mercies. And so no matter what's going on, the favor of God, the peace of God is with you wherever you go. That's the benefits. And that's why you got to say, so what are you going to be depressed about? Look at us. We're forgiven. We're healed. We got favor. Our needs are met. If God's for us, what difference make who's against us? We always triumph in Christ. So, shut up. We are going to praise the Lord. 
Lord. Soul says, no, I want to be depressed. Well, say, shut up. You're not going to be depressed. I'm spirit man. I control you. You will not control me. i got to say it one more time. I think some of you are just about to get it. You're right at the breaking point. If I just say it one more time, I think you're going to tip right into the right side. Right now, you know, did you ever see those scales where you got the thing goes back and forth? You drop the little weights in it, and just up and down. Just that point. you got to tell soul, soul, I will not let you be depressed anymore. I'm spirit, man. I'm saved. You're not. You're getting renewed. Amen. You're getting restored. That's why he said in Psalm 23, he restoreth my soul. He restores your soul as you let him restore your soul. And so you say, depression, no, no, no. And mine says, you just about got me convinced. You say, okay, I'm going to stick with it. That's I do. And so, verse 5. Now, if this don't light your fire, your wood's all wet. And I'll tell you what. <laughs> uh, he satisfies thy mouth with good things. What's the good things? It's this word we're speaking right here. That's a good thing your sins are forgiven. That's a good thing your diseases are healed. That's a good thing that your family save you and save your house. That's a good thing you're delivered from destruction. That's a good thing no matter what it looks like your kids are coming in. That's a good thing that promotion's coming. That's a good thing the devourer's being rebuked for you. That's a good thing the windows of heaven are open. You've got to speak those things out of your mouth. That's how you stir yourself. That's how you encourage yourself. Satisfies thy mouth of good things so like the youth is renewed like the eagles. And I want to look at one more thing and we're going to close it down. Just flip over to chapter 107. This is 103, 107. Satisfies thy mouth with good things. Everybody say, satisfies my mouth with good things. The Word of God is good. And I'm going to listen to Pastor Dave's Sunday message again. God is good. <laughs> Remember that. Amen. And so he said he satisfies his mouth with good things. Psalms 107, verse 20, 21, and 22 says this. He sent his word and healed them. That word gets in your heart and in your mouth. He sent his word and healed them, delivered them from them, their destructions. Now look at what he said right here, verse 21 and 22. This is Pastor Samples talking to this church, talking to the men and the women that are watching out there. This, Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. Let them sacrifice the sacrifices of thanksgiving and declare his works with what? Rejoicing. What is rejoicing? That's your joy getting rehearsed again. You rehearse again. If you can't think of anything present tense, you thank him for what he did. Can't think of anything else, thank him that you're born again. Thank him, etc., etc. Josh, let's get this thing going, this next thing. But I want to say this other close. If depression knocks on the door of your soul, shift the mode into Psalms 103. Change gears. Change screens. Go to Psalms 103 when it knocks and answer that. With bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and all that is within me. Amen. Amen. Well, let's stand up. Glory to God. I'll tell you what, if there's any depression things trying to stay around anymore, I think they left. 
Don't let them piggyback when you leave. Don't let them say, can I get back on your back now and take me home? Say, no, you're not going home with me. Amen. This is a song we used to sing years ago, and I asked Josh to sing that tonight. And I think it'll help you. And if you get this song into your heart and start singing it, it'll really help you. All right, so Pastor asked me to sing this song, and bear with me because I've never sang it before. So I've played it a million times, but I've never sang it. So let's see if we can figure it out. It's real simple. I told Alex to put the words up there, so we'll see if we can get it. Victory is mine. Victory is mine. Victory today is mine. I told Satan to get thee behind me. Victory today is mine. Victory is mine. Victory is mine. Victory today is mine. I told Satan to get thee behind me. Victory today is mine. Sing joy is mine. The joy is mine, the joy is mine, the joy today is mine. I told Satan to get thee behind me, joy today is mine. One time see victory, victory is mine, victory is mine, victory today is mine. I told Satan to get thee behind me. Victory today is mine. Woo! Glory to God. I think we had the right message tonight. Amen. 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 I'll tell you what, that, that simple little chorus there will just, I'll tell you what, that, that, that'll put a twinkle in your eye. That'll put a jump in your step. Amen. That'll put joy in your mouth, smile on your face, and it'll be contagious. And people look at you and they'll say, man, you're one of those goofy Christians. You'll say, nope, I'm one of those joy-filled, victorious Christians that have overcome everything Satan threw my way. That's what I am. Amen, amen, amen. All right. Uh, pastor Dave's not here, but he's passed the baton, so I get to be the pastor part again tonight. Does anybody need prayer? If you need prayer, come up here. And uh, I'll, I'll tell you what, I needed prayer for I got here. Pastor preached. I don't need prayer anymore. He preached me happy. <laughs> if you need prayer, we'll be glad to pray for you. And uh, glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. I hope you took good notes. And then listen to this one again because I think it was a good one for you. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. I see nobody coming up, and we're past our timeline, so uh, this is not a wedding, but I'll say this. I'll come up now if you ever hold your step. <laughs> okay, uh, now we do the partial faith confession. Since, uh, it would be a faith confession for me since I never learned it all yet, and I don't want to be embarrassed because I'm the pastor. Who wants, Pastor Dave puts them on the spot. Who wants to do it? Now, James isn't here right now, is he? He'll do it. Who wants to do the faith confession? Oh, I don't want to turn my back to the camera. 
Uh, Sabrina, you used to like to do that one, don't you? We declare that Barstow is a blessed city. Our families are blessed. Our schools are blessed. Our churches are blessed. Barstow is healed. Barstow is prospering. Barstow is safe. Barstow is strong. Barstow is surrounded by the walls of God's salvation. Barstow is full of love, joy, and peace. Barstow is coming to Jesus. No? (laughs) Free of God. Barstow is coming to Jesus. So is he in Jesus' name. Amen. You guys go be have joy. Good night. Better doctor, so don't worry about-